Hey folks, this is Vic here, and today we're going to be reviewing Disturbing Behavior. We'll get to that in just a moment. want to make a quick announcement first. This coming Monday, October 17th, we're going to actually have a special edition of the podcast for Halloween Ends, but it's only going to be on YouTube. So it'll be only on the YouTube platform. Of course, we're under the Movie Fellas on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed, please go go there and subscribe, and it'll be a YouTube-exclusive podcast for Halloween Ends. And you'll get all our quick thoughts. We, me and Nick are going to watch the movie over the weekend and see if we love it or if we hate it. And there might be some ranting indeed. So please go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can enjoy that episode. And now let's get to disturbing behavior. So, Vic, have you ever felt like you had a friend with disturbing behaviors? Yes, absolutely. And I never knew what was wrong with them. But now I think that maybe there was some evil doctor in town who had brainwashed them and turned them into a member of the Blue Ribbons. That oh, happen. I thought it was because I just thought you had a friend that just drunk Mountain Dew like fucking in no tomorrow. Well, yeah, I was talking about you, so. <laughs> oh, okay. No, make, make well, I sense, never... So. Re- I've never ran into an evil doctor that implanted anything in me, but uh, maybe that's the reason I'm drinking Mountain Dew. Maybe he implanted uh, Dew flavoring in my blood. Listen, folks, let me give you some background. Supposedly, Nick Arcana moved away for some kind of job. Supposedly. That's the cover story. The truth is, things got too hot here for the Blue Ribbons, and he had to move somewhere to corrupt a new town, and now he's moved somewhere else to continue the Blue Ribbons uh, tradition in a different area. That's what I'm saying. I mean, oh, tr- it's a cool cover story, but like, yeah, got a job, got to go there. No. Blue ribbons, I say. Blue ribbons. Oh, trust me. I corrupt everybody already. Now, his version of blue ribbons, though, it's not to make them better students or make them more polite. It's simply to get them addicted to, to Mountain Dew. Yeah, because Dew needs to stay open forever, and the way to do that is to make sure they continue getting money. That's actually a brilliant reasoning behind the whole thing. It's like, hey, we got to make sure as many people buy Mountain Dew as possible so they'll keep producing Mountain Dew. If there's a shortage, then that the whole thing's in jeopardy. So that makes sense. Exactly. You know, I thought I was making up a story, but now this actually is making too much sense. Maybe this shit is real. <laughs> and we're not called the Blue Ribbons, by the way. We're actually called the Purple Dew. The Purple Dew? The purple dew. Reason why is because purple is actually the color of royalty and dew because, well, it it's Mountain Dew. Is there actually a purple Mountain Dew? Uh, not. I don't think it was purple. It still looked black, but it was called pitch black and it was grape flavored. Hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, when I do partake, I do like the blue Mountain Dew and the red Mountain Dew and the regular Mountain Dew is actually pretty solid also. Red is the best one ever. Code Red, is it? Yes. I'm calling Code Red on this conversation. Let's talk about our movie today, Disturbing Behavior, which... um, Apparently, these cops really like this team of football players because once this guy kills another cop, old man cop lets him go away. Yeah, so immediately we're alert to the idea that something weird is going on because, (laughs) hey, that's not typical cop behavior. Usually the cops would maybe shoot him, but not... The guy himself wouldn't shoot the cops. That was very weird. And then the other cop is just like, hey, we're going to cover this up, buddy. 
I mean, I understand yeah. that football players have certain clout in small towns, but getting away with murder and then killing a cop, this seems a bit extreme. What the fuck is clout? Clout is basically where you have some kind of power or control. So, like, when you're a star football player in a small town, you do get treated like a like a hero. You get treated with certain benefits. You have clout, basically. You can demand certain things. But this is still over the top even for that. Anyway, so Steve and family are moving to Cradle Bay. You know, I once thought about moving to Cradle Bay, but I'm scared of water. So the fact they had to take a boat to get there, that's a, a non-starter for me. So. Yeah, well, then don't do that. I don't want to do that. I'm not getting on that. I'm not getting on the boat that goes to supposedly Manhattan because Jason might be on there. And I'm not boarding the Titanic because that might hit an iceberg and sink. Thank you very much. So here's a question. If for if I ever won the lottery yes. and I bought a boat yes, and then I decided let's do a podcast episode while swaying in the waves of, of, of the boat and we talk about Jaws. Hmm. So wait, what's your what are you asking? I'm saying if I ever get a boat, we should do a podcast on the boat. Well, and that podcast episode will be Jaws. Yeah, that's fine. But in the middle of the podcast, when the shark bites into the boat and bites my leg off and takes me in the water, well, and I can't swim. And you just well, then, then you it, stand on the boat and laugh at me. I don't think that's really the way to go. So, well, then they can hear us have the climax of Jaws. They won't. They we don't have to describe any of it because they'll hear it. Well, anyways, we're not gonna get me on a boat anytime soon. But what I will agree to do is to fill up my bathtub and lay in the bathtub because that's the closest thing I can do to laying in a body of water is laying in my bathtub. Uh, just to swing it back one quick second, the movie was released in 1998 from MGM and estimated budget of $15 million with a gross of only $17 million. <laughs> Unfortunately, this was not to be a franchise. Marketed very wrong. When I was a teenager, I was I remember this movie and I remember being marketed as like a straight horror film, but as we're going to find out, there's really not too much horror in it. It's definitely skews more sci-fi. Um now, Nick, had you seen the movie before or was this your first time watching it? My first time watching it. I didn't know who James Marsden is that I know of. Really? I, I didn't know I didn't know the actor that plays Gavin that I know of. I probably have seen him in many other things, but not really putting them to faces. Uh James I do Marsden's know the like, actor that James Marsden's like a really famous actor. He's in uh he's the main character, he's the main guy in Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh he's Cyclops in the X Men movies. Like, he's a really big actor. <clears throat> well, I know I I know Cyclops. I watched the X Men movies, but uh, there is one actor I know in this. Hmm. The actor that plays Chuck, uh, AJ Buckley. Don't tell me. He I, plays. I know. I know where you're going with this. And I, and plays I'm, in a few I'm, episodes. I'm already annoyed. I'm already annoyed. Don't do it. Don't say it. Spare me, please. Don't say it. Of Supernatural, he's a ghost facer. By the way, this is not planned out. It just happens to be that every movie I pick happens to have a damn supernatural actor by coincidence. It's not by not by by design. It just happens to be that be that way because you know why? Because when a show goes for thirty five seasons, of course every actor in the history of movies is gonna have made a guest appearance. It's not my fault. I hadn't. What's bad is I didn't actually recognize him. I just decided to look up just to fuck with you. Which actors in this show has played in this movie has played in Supernatural? 
Oh yeah, I'm sure it's a straight straight Google search. So I got gotcha. you. Um, Dan, uh, the, his his name was the only one that popped up, so it makes you feel better. It doesn't. I feel terrible. <laughs> um, I recognize a couple actors here. You know, the little sister is Catherine Isabel, so she would go on yes. to be in the Ginger Snap movies, of course, Freddy vs. Jason, um, American Mary. So she's like kind of a kind of a mini scream queen, I would say. She's considered pretty big in the horror genre. Um, uh, who who played Rachel again? I forgot. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. Yeah. So Katie Holmes. Uh, I used to watch Dawson's Creek when I was a teen. She was on that show. And then she was, of course, she was famously married to Tom Cruise. And then she was also in uh, one of the Batman movies. Um, and then uh, and, and Nick Stahl is from, uh, he's also in Terminator 3. The guy plays Gavin. He's in Terminator well, 3. So, so all, all, to the be fair, are, all the actors are pretty well known, to be honest. To be fair, you said Terminator 3. How many people really remember that damn movie? A lot of people remember Terminator 3. Um, you sure about that? It's actually not bad. I mean, not, not saying it's a great movie, but it's a fun movie. Um, but uh, my point is that um, at this point in time, they basically were getting, just like the faculty, they were casting, you know, young, relatively well-known teen actors and all these horror movies and sci-fi movies. Um, I mean, of course, you really can't beat the cast of faculty, though. Faculty had an amazing cast. But, but this is a pretty good cast for this movie. Now, the problem, as we're going to find out, well, let me just call attention to one thing. The runtime of this movie is an hour and 24 minutes. Okay, so anyways, we have uh, James Marsden playing Steve Clark, and then, his, of course, his little sister is Lindsay Clark, and they and their parents, uh, they and their parents, for mysteriously unknown reasons, are moving to Cradle Bay. From Chicago. Which seems like a big step down. I mean, Chicago has great pizza. What does Cradle Bay have? Uh, Cradle Bay has the nice atmosphere of loneliness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I and a know. yogurt shop. Yeah, oh yeah, and they call it a yogurt shoppy or yogurt. Was it yogurt shoppy or yogurt something? It, it's it's yogurt. I think it's technically pronounced shop. Yogurt shop. When it's spelled like that, but I don't know because I know Gavin makes that joke in this. Yeah. It's like, what is this? A shop? It actually spells shop. A shoppy out there shoppy yeah um gavin's a i will say this gavin's a pretty fun character he's pretty funny and of course he's the one character that knows what's going on but no one wants to listen to him well he's the best character easily but that ends up hurting the movie because the plot demands that he kind of checks out halfway through the movie and then well, if he doesn't that, then that makes it second so even though it's necessary for the plot it makes the second half of the movie not as fun because we don't have him around as Gavin. We have him as Blue Ribbons Gavin, which is just a whole robotic performance at that point then. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it because that's, uh, that's one, of my, my, one of my main complaints about the movie is pretty much the second half. There's certain movies that I where I the setup in the first half, the story is so good, and then the second half doesn't really pay off on it. Jeepers Creepers is a good example where the first half of that movie was amazing. These... And then the fucking police station. Yeah, yeah. Then once you see the creeper, it's pretty much, it's game over for that movie. Uh, this movie, so, the early scenes are all very interesting to me because you start to see things like, for example, the the one character, um, what's his face, uh, Dicky, right? So Dicky, uh, of course, yeah. is a rebellious car loving teen, and actually, then he it, gets turned. Yeah, but he actually gets in a fight with the Blue Ribbons first, and then we see them pretty much jump him 
And then he's yeah, he's he's transformed. So early on, not knowing what the plot is, you're you're kind of you're thinking of the faculty. You're I'm like, thinking well, of the vampires. Yeah, my first thing was aliens, but I mean, I guess vampires kind of sort of make sense. <laughs> so, um, yeah. uh, vampires that wear sunblock during the day so they don't burn alive. You know the usual. That's yeah. the thing, right? No, well, maybe I don't know. Uh, potentially, um, I just want to know one thing. Um, why the we've seen throughout this movie actually that these blue ribbon guys, especially when they start when they get activated. They actually get some super strength on them. Why the hell do they have to then jump everybody like they're little pansy-ass bitches? It's funny because the super strength, is it just adrenaline, basically? It's not like they actually get stronger. It's just literally they're more focused and they have more adrenaline going on so they can do more. Don't don't get stronger. Chuck literally tosses a guy all the way through a shopping (laughs) mall. That's adrenaline, baby. <laughs> so you're telling me with adrenaline, I can pick someone up and chuck him at least what close close enough to be a damn football field? Yeah, man. Look, get enough Mountain Dew in you, man. Who knows what can happen, right? Um, my point. Mountain is, Dew calms me down. It doesn't anger me. My point is, there's no reason physically why they would be stronger. Um, they're not taking steroids, I don't think. So, oh, maybe who they are. Who knows? But. Um, well, I mean, look nothing, at Andy. Nothing, he has to be. There's nothing supernatural here, so there's there's no way they would suddenly get stronger. It doesn't make sense. The reason I say this is look at Andy. He has to be. While the girl's going down on him, he breaks her neck. She most likely bit him, and he didn't feel pain. No, I think it was so sudden that she did not bite him. That came out of nowhere. It was a very quick maneuver. He basically did some Jason Bourne shit and made a clean, quick break of the neck. So, Nah, she... The the human body usually clinches up when it dies, no matter how quick or clean it is. Yeah, but well, okay, well, <laughs> we're being super nitpicky now, so. I don't well, know. here's my next conversation then, Steve. I I definitely connect to Steve for one major reason. He likes beautiful bad girls. Talking about Rachel. Yes. I I'm interested in the idea of Rachel because, you know that. The, uh, this is probably tough casting because they're trying to tell us basically that she is like Gavin calls her something trash, basically. Uh, I guess Cradle Bay trash, something like that. I don't know what he says. Cradle, but yeah, Cradle Bay trash. And, um, and be honest, I think Gavin technically goes in with that part as well, just because they are the only, they're the two out of the three characters that are goth in this whole area or the technical badass metalhead kids. Well, what about also uh, Gavin's friend? Um, what's his name? UV. <laughs> yeah, what is UV goth or is he just weird? What is he exactly? I don't understand what's going so on. So UV is, you can definitely tell he's albino. There's no way he puts on that much damn makeup to make himself look that white. Uh, also, he's a high on drugs almost all the damn time. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean... And... and for the most part, he's he is, I would say, goth, but more along the lines of just because his friends are. Yeah. He seems like the type of person that would dress and act a certain way just to match whoever he's hanging out with. Yeah, I mean, I want to say shout out to the actor because I don't know if I like it. He does something very strange with his performance. Like, he plays the character very odd, but maybe it's just... He plays him like he's high all the time, because he is. <laughs> he's just kind of oblivious and odd. I don't know. I mean, I guess. I mean... Um, but to get back to your point, though, 
yeah, I was saying the casting is weird. It's it's hard because like they have her being pretty much an outcast, right? But then they're also like, well, let's make her beautiful. So it's kind of like, because okay, so if I'm thinking how about things, how things would really be in my brain. As watching the movie unfold, it's like you have to have Gavin talk down to her because what would make the most sense is that Gavin actually likes her <laughs> and not the popular random blonde girl. Cause, so cause you're if, telling me if you have if you have a friend who's just as beautiful but is more accessible and actually more like you. I feel like naturally would emotionally connect with her more, but they need to save that for Steve. So they have to have Gavin, her be more, Oh, that's like my little sister kind of thing. So to be, to be fair, how much you want to bet Gavin has, has tried shooting his shot with her. Oh, a hundred percent. Maybe, maybe that's true too. Maybe she has sort of, she's already turned him down or because she sees him as just a brother, but if so, then yeah, that makes sense because she's done a good job then of still keeping around as, you know, a brother type, I guess. Here's another fun character somewhat, and that's the janitor. I didn't like this character for some reason. I got to be honest. How dare you? You didn't like the fact that he acts crazy so no one knows he's so he's smart? Well, I didn't like the movie again. The other thing is, here's what's funny. I don't know... I don't know if you need the Steve character. Like, all this stuff that Steve does, you could have just had Gavin do. Like, for example, why does the janitor not just open up to Gavin? He waits until Steve comes, and then he trusts Steve, and he opens up to Steve and reveals everything. You could have just done that because... with Gavin weeks earlier. I don't understand the the uh, need to elevate Steve to where he's doing all this stuff. If you just start with Gavin starting to figure out the plot, basically, and have him, and you could still have Rachel be his friend and not whatever, but... It's a much more interesting movie to see if you see him like stumbling upon all this and like kind of figuring it out as the movie goes and him trying to take them down. Steve is just kind of um he's kind of a generic good guy. I mean, I don't know. He's like um there's nothing very interesting well, has, about him. He has to be because we also have a generic bad guy too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So this is like I just want to this is the most this is the most <laughs> generic bad guy you could possibly have, seriously. But I do want to mention that you know, all these kids are technically being turned into being good students. They're supposed to be they're supposed to be the model child, model kid that any parent would want. So why in the fuckadilly are they so disrespectful to everybody? There seems to be a big flaw in I don't want to say the technology, but whatever brainwashing is happening in that because at this meeting that we get a, a glimpse of the meeting of how things work. When the parents are complaining and actually saying that, hey, the problem with my son is that he seems to be mean to everybody outside of the Blue Ribbons. So it's like, that's like a, a problem with the hardware. Because like, yeah, if you want to make this work like across the country and spread it, you got to make the Blue Ribbons a little bit more like nicer to other people. Otherwise, people are going to get suspicious and be like, hey, why are they only nice to each other? And even if, they, if the kid stops being nice to his parents... Every parent's gonna complain and be like, "Hey, even though my my kid is treating me like shit, now. like it doesn't make any sense." It's like a big, it's not a plot flaw. It's a flaw. It's a flaw in the doctor's it's whole setup. The... the doctor's whole thing is a has a big issue there. Yeah, it's something that needs to be fixed. But it seems like the doctor doesn't give a shit about trying to fix it in general. He just he dismisses it. Yeah, he just, it's just 
And then I'm thinking, it's like, well, each person you put this implant in, you shouldn't be thinking the implant is perfect yet, especially if they, because if you get all of them to also be respectful to everybody, think about how many more of them would gladly join the Blue Ribbons just because they're very likable. Right. And the whole point of that meeting, I thought, is for actually, you know, he's getting good feedback from the parents. Like he's getting to find out, like, okay, so is this working? Is it not working? Like, take their feedback. Don't just dismiss and be like, ah, let me give them some BS. Like, take it as like, hey, yeah, I can, if I can make this better, I have a better chance of spreading this around. I can make this a bigger thing if I take the kinks out of it. But that's, that's a huge thing. Yeah, we see basically the more normal the Blue Ribbons can act, the better off they are. The more weird they act, the more suspicious everybody's going to become of them. So they act very weird in this movie. They are like the way they talk, their speech patterns are weird. They don't talk like normal people. They can't. Really they might have, as well. They can't have a conversation. Even it seems like so. They might as well just be people from the damn fifties at this point. Well, I don't want to disrespect <clears throat> people in the fifties, but well, look at it. All the guys are, you know, their hair's all slicked back, done nice. They're wearing like pretty much sweater vests. They're the khaki pants, little dress shoes, and then the yeah. and then the women are pretty much just there to be sex objects, almost. Because notice how there is not a single woman that has that implant that doesn't act, that doesn't sit there and try to be attractive instead of trying to be smart. And that's weird, because I thought it would have the opposite effect on them, right? It would make them more conservative and less likely to be how they are. Um, Especially since we see Andy, apparently the thing malfunctions in Andy's head when he's having sex with the one girl and he breaks her neck, but yet the other girls are acting the exact same way. Is it, would it be different because they already have the chip in them? Well, to be fair though, the one blonde girl though, she does like, um, she just busts her head against the windshield. So she kind of, and then tries to kill Steve. She busts her hand. Yeah. She busts her head in the mirror. So she kind of malfunctions also at a certain point. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost hard to believe they've made it this far. Like, like all, <laughs> the fact that all the parents haven't already like figured this out and been like, Hey, wait a minute. Did you like, cause I'm sure the parents interact with each other. At some point they'd have a conversation of like, Hey, is your son acting weird? Like, yeah, my son's acting weird. Like, Oh yeah. He got the, the blue ribbon training last week. Yeah. Like it feels like the parents are made to be complete idiots in this movie, <laughs> which I guess is okay for the plot. But I mean, if you're, if your child has a, a radically change in person, radical change in personality, I don't think you just go along for the ride and you're just like, well, <laughs> at least they're getting good grades now. Like, ah, I don't know. That seems like a lot. Actually, I got, so I, I did find a plot hole. So be, uh, when Steve actually figures out that the janitor is actually a smart person, if I remember correctly, the janitor is an author. He has a book and everything. Or he just likes to read, one of the two. Mm-hmm. But the plot hole I've noticed is when we're down there, we see Steve down there smoking which means he had to have reached in the boiler to grab the cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And then a later scene, this is of course after the cafeteria, this is after Gavin gets turned. But in the later scene, when Rachel goes in there, she sees a disc with her name on it. Are you telling me that Gavin, I guess, somehow got some lucidity in between Steve and Rachel to put that disc in there? <laughs> Apparently so. Um... The um, the whole night where Gavin gets turned is very interesting. So they go to this meeting. We get our first like kind of plot here. We find out about the blue ribbons. 
we find out what's going on. We find out that Gavin's parents have volunteered him for the program, which he probably those t- dicks. Well, again, Gavin seems very smart. So my thing is, he probably should have saw that coming if he showed a picture where all his friends had been converted. So he's the only one in the picture who hasn't been converted. So he had already been thinking like, hmm, I'm probably gonna be. They're probably gonna target me. Or he thought that his value was so low that they wouldn't bother trying to convert me. It's one of those two things. Um, but I don't think he should be so surprised when he sees his parents volunteering for the program. But what'd you think about... So, one of the problems is, like, Steve just does not believe Gavin at all in this first half of the movie. Like, he's not buying in anything. Gavin's actually giving the exact plot. He's giving exactly what's happening. But Steve is just like, man, stay off the weed and... You know, you're losing it, man, and all this leads to Gavin's downfall. But uh, I don't think Steve is that likable in this first half in terms of, like, he's just not believing his friend. His friend's not making up a big conspiracy theory. He's actually seen proof. He saw the cop get shot. I mean, just your friend telling you that should be enough to be like, whoa, that's something extreme. But then he he also, Steve, he sees what happens to Dickie. He sees Dickie have a complete personality change. Like, that's evidence for you right in front of your eyes. But Steve is still, like, a skeptic. And I, I know they did this because basically Gavin turning is going to be the thing that actually makes him believe. But I feel bad for Gavin because if Steve would have actually believed him, they could have had, that night they could have came up with a plan together and avoided Gavin being turned. But instead, Steve takes away his gun and then leaves him there by himself to basically fend for himself. Shitty so, <laughs> uh As for the cop shooting, yes, Gavin saw that. But however, Steve didn't get there in time, so he would not. He one, he doesn't know who that character is that died. So why would he even really care at that point? Uh, another issue is: Would you really believe someone that you know smokes weed, you know is high almost all the time, and then you see something that looks like it could just be some form of a program that could just be some form of therapy? Not not brainwashing, just some form of therapy. And all of a sudden, your friend just pulls out a gun after you actually already offered him a way out of his own house by saying, stay with me. Oh, I agree. That was dumb on Gavin's part. He could have actually just been <laughs> stayed at Steve's house. Um, I, I, I actually don't understand why he didn't take that up. He seemed committed yeah, instead of, to killing them. Because so. <laughs> instead of showing Steve the gun, when Steve said, hey, come stay with me, at least then you should feel com- more comfortable. You should feel safer. If I was Gavin, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. Then he could have tried to either continue talking to Steve about it or come up with a plan to help himself out on his own. Well, showing, gu- showing Steve the-, the gun was a bad move because Steve was not in a place mentally, as you said, to believe him yet. So him seeing the gun, well, that just makes him think he's crazy. And then he's talking about, hey, he's going to blow away all these people, which, yeah, it sounds strange. But my pushback is that from what you said, I do think Steve should have been suspicious because he interacted with the Blue Ribbons himself. He saw how weird, weird they were. He saw Dickie have a complete transformation that just seemed very weird. And then, again, Gavin showed him the pictures of, hey, this is what happened to my friends, so this is what they're going to do to me. I do think Steve should have been a little more suspect than he was. He just went he, um, went, he went home and left his friend as if, hey, everything's going to be okay. I'm just saying some of the, well, some of the liability is on Steve, is all I'm saying. Well, I will say this. There is one other reason why Steve pretty much abandoned him after seeing the gun, and that is a backstory. We find out of Steve that his older brother committed suicide. Yeah. So, of course, Steve is not going to want anyone with a gun around, especially if he cares for him, because even though he pretty much abandons Gavin, 
at this point. He still, in a sense, cared about him and didn't want Gavin to do something that could potentially kill himself or kill others. Yeah, good point. So I was going to bring this up earlier. Basically, the the runtime of this movie is an hour and 24 minutes. This movie has a lot of plot, so it's a very, very short runtime for a movie that has this kind of plot. And you find out the original cut was actually close to two hours. But again, our good friend Mr. Test Screening was done. No, fuck that. And the studios decided to cut the movie down. They cut it down the first time. It was still pretty good. But then the second test screening, they then took the movie from the director to a point the director actually wanted to take his name off the movie. And they cut it down as much as possible. And we lost a lot of plot because there was a lot more background given on Steve and his brother. So you get a lot more of Steve's backstory. Um, you get a lot more You get a lot more um, with Gavin and Steve. So Gavin actually takes Steve to the morgue. So in terms of evidence, to convince him during that night, he takes him to the morgue to show him the girl's body, the one hmm. that got her, her neck snapped. Yeah. They go to the morgue, and they actually find out her body's missing, which doesn't prove anything, but he's like, look, the body's missing. So Gavin went to greater lengths to convince Steve, but they cut the scene out. Um, we also get afterwards, Steve goes to Gavin's house after he's been converted, and he speaks to his mom, and his mom basically is like, yes, Gavin's a good boy now. So we get like all these other scenes that I think would add more to the story, add more to the plot. There's um, more focus on Steve's background. We get more scenes with his little sister, and we get more scenes with him and uh, Katie Holmes with Rachel. So, so apparently the director feels like the the original cut's like a really really good movie because it gives you a, enough story enough character development to go with the plot, but he feel, he's not really happy with what they did to it. So uh, there's actually one thing I wish they would have done, and to be fair, I understand why they didn't, and they may have in the uh, ed, in the unedited cut, but uh. The fact that there was a scene where, you know, Steve mentions that he's annoyed that him and his family is pretty much not allowed to talk about the brother. I feel like that should have been a conversation between him and the father to try and make some form of amends. Mm -hmm. yep. At least before you find out that the father is now trying to get him converted to like a jackass. Yeah. What a jackass. <laughs> oh, and so it just for what I'm saying here, the DVD has... An unbelievably, an unbelievable eleven deleted scenes on the DVD. Eleven deleted scenes. So, someone needs to make a new cut where they like reintegrate those deleted scenes back in the movie. And in fact, the movie has a whole different ending as well, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. Um, yeah, because I, I have issues with the ending when we talk about that. Hundred um, percent. I do like the. Uh, how about? Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh, no, you were about to say something because I was about to jump to the psychiatric scene. Yeah, so basically, for me, once Gavin gets converted and you have the scene in the cafeteria where um, Steve gets into kind of a fist fight with them with the blue ribbons, gets beat up. Gets his ass handed to him. Gavin kicks him. <laughs> um, no, he needs him. Oh, yeah, he needs him. So for me at this point... I'm not saying the movie goes downhill, but the second half is a big letdown compared to the setup in the first half, because now we get a lot of stupid stuff, and we could talk about the psych. If you want to talk about the psychiatric scene, because yeah, but me, only this, because there's this was stupid, so. But <laughs> well, I only needed we only need to talk about it for one quick second because 
it does give us pretty much our main antagonist because of something that's happened. He find out that his daughter's in the psychiatric hospital. And that's I'm assuming that's because he tried to give her an implant and it did not take. Yep. Uh so well, we know, and we, that, we know the, the implant and everything the guy's doing is definitely flawed so far, right? So, Yeah, but apparently this was like a, the very first implant he made. He put it in and it caused her to go flipping insane. But the real question I got is, uh, why did they even think about just going through there? I mean, I feel like the psychiatric scene makes no real point to the plot. It did, it's not like it did anything against the doctor. There, All we find out is he implanted his daughter. There's no follow-up to it. That's a problem. There's no follow-up <laughs> to it. The movie needs to explore. Like I said, the plot is too big for the runtime we're getting. You can't fit this movie into an hour and a half plot because there's so much more we need to know. We need to know, we need to know the why, the how, the what. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of like slightly mentioned, but not enough to actually make sense. Um, it's, yeah, like a, like, uh, it's like the movie has big ideas, but it doesn't execute on its big ideas. Yeah, because like, uh, when he, because Steve mentions his daughter to the doctor, and the doctor tells him, "Well, she wasn't that bright anyway." It's like, damn, you didn't love your daughter. <laughs> well, this we deserve you deserve to get punched in the nuts. Well, this bad guy is like, this he's not, generic. He's generic bad guy, and you never really know what what the hell he's what the what, what's the point of anything he's doing and. What does he actually want here? And it, again, if if he does want to expand this, then he really should like get the kinks out and stop just like dismissing everything and just being generic bad guy. He should be like, hey, let me try to make this the best product possible. But instead, yeah, like get the kink out of murderous rampage. He's taking shortcuts, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the the janitor guy, which you like, I mean, for me, he plays a little bit too big of a part in the ending. A lot of the a lot of what? the a lot of the heroes. The heroes really only get away because of this janitor guy. <laughs> well, to be fair, this janitor is the only one that actually put two and two together of what happened with Chuck. That's another thing we actually probably shouldn't mention is the implants, when a certain frequency hits, the implants start going haywire and makes everyone go fucking insane. Yes. Yeah. And the janitor was the only one who actually paid attention to that because the only other one in there at the time was Rachel and she just wanted to get the hell out of there before something bad happened to her. Right. True. And what, 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 um, what, the, never mind. I'll come back to that. But, um, <laughs> no, but anyways, yeah, we'll move on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we can just talk about the ending then. I mean, okay. So the ending is the janitor plays that frequency drives off the cliff killing everybody so that and then we get a as stupid as it is it's it's a really dumb but fun visual to see all the kids on the truck as it flies off the cliff that's so over the top that none of them thought to jump off before going off the cliff but okay all right also so i just want to mention look at james marsden pretty decent sized dude he looked big stocky probably lifts weights on his off time now look at the doctor lanky most likely never been in fight in his whole life. Uh, decides to has a fist fight together. This is like, this is like if Van Damme was actually fighting Lance Henriksen at the end of Hard Target. 
This is why <laughs> this, they, man... this, is, this is why they didn't do that because this doesn't really make sense that this doctor's this doctor is, does not want to get his hands dirty in an actual fight. He's not that guy. This is so And he had a gun. What happened to the gun? I know he got hit by a car, but what happened to the gun he still had his hand when he got hit by the car? I don't know. <laughs> it didn't make any sense don't... to me. <laughs> I'm just sitting there watching. I was like, really? And the fact that they actually make it to where the doctor almost pushes him off the cliff. I'm like, no. By the time the doctor swung, he may have gotten one hit, but I feel like Steve should have grabbed his second hit and thrown him off the damn cliff right then and there. I don't see the doctor hanging around, especially once he knows that his creation has gone off the cliff. I see him just disappearing pretty much. Um, it didn't make disappearing. sense. Just like our main characters, because now, I mean, I'm sorry. Do, is there a reason why these characters have to leave town? <laughs> what about his parents? They just got rid, they just got rid of, well, he told his parents where they're going. But yeah, he just got but... rid of all of the villains. He got rid of all the blue ribbons, ex- minus one. He got rid of the doctor, so there's no more implants going into people. Yeah. So... What was the point of them leaving to go be homeless in Chicago? Yeah, so basically... Was this supposed to be a happy ending? Well, you're right. Once you solve the problem, does leaving town make any sense when you can just stay and rebuild yourself in Cradle Bay? I mean, you have a family there. You have a house there. I mean, I don't understand what's going on. The, The leaving on a boat ending didn't really make that much sense, especially for... They're going to be homeless. Especially for, I feel like, for Rachel and UV, because I understand that Steve and his sister maybe feel a certain way, but if I'm Rachel, I'm like, unless I'm marrying this guy, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what am I? (laughs) They got married. I'm in high school. They're in high school. So it's like, I don't understand. They're Um, homeless now. They can get married. (laughs) Yeah, this ending didn't hit for me, but there's one... There's one big obvious problem with this ending, which they try to rectify at the very end. But Gavin, the lack of Gavin, where the hell was he in this ending? Because his he was he was getting his teacher's degree. (laughs) That makes no sense. Because (laughs) I know Gavin's smart, but you're gonna tell me that Gavin's so smart that even when converted into that, he knows enough to stay. Like he just stayed away from the whole ending. He was like, "Well, I know how that's gonna go. I'm gonna go." get my teacher license and start over to new town. So with Gavin, what? I actually feel like I feel like the implant either didn't take or maybe took too much. Cause I feel like Gavin may have actually kept a former bit of himself. As I mentioned with the damn CD that appeared between after he's already been converted in between one scene to another. Yeah. So either there's a plot hole there and Steve didn't notice that because I'm sure Steve would have opened it, saw Ra- Rachel's name. Or he actually still has a bit of himself still in there to the point where he can somewhat have a little bit of control over himself. Well, if, why I don't buy that is because I just don't see Gavin becoming a teacher. So that wouldn't make sense to me. But if that was the case, but the problem is just, okay, here's the thing. The movie missed an obvious opportunity here, which was once you converted Gavin to the other side. Have Gavin and Steve fight. I know you have generic bad guy, but clearly the emotional point now is to have Gavin be the villain. And Steve has to kill him, not generic bad guy, which he has no problem killing. 
So yeah, Steve didn't give two shits about Gavin. He he did. I mean, in the cafeteria, <laughs> he did because he tried to whatever. But then they all kind of just give up and move on from Gavin, and Gavin just disappears from the movie. And in the first half of the movie, I would argue that he's the main character in the first half of the movie. So it makes no sense that there's no payoff to that. Now, what happened was, though, again, credit to the director, what we find out essentially is that the there's an entire opposite ending, alternate ending, which is exactly what I wanted, which is they go the boat after everything, and then Gavin confronts them on the boat, and then um, I believe UV actually has to shoot Gavin. Now, so I would encourage you to watch this on YouTube. It's probably on YouTube. But it's a much more logical payoff. They go the boat, and Gavin's there, and he's like, whatever, and they have to kill him is the last thing in the movie. That makes way more sense. But for some reason, the studio didn't like that ending and gave us this generic ending with the teacher. They had to go back and refilm the whole teacher thing at the end. That was like not a that was not in the script. That was like, well, let's plug Gavin in somewhere at the end. Oh, let's have him be a teacher and set up a sequel. Just in case they decide to make a sequel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but nobody was going to want to see a sequel on this. I'm sorry, especially with Gavin as a teacher. So, um, so yeah, so Gavin's making the implants. All that to say, from what I'm gathering as we review it, it's like, and what I've read is that the original cut of the movie is like significantly better than what we got again because of studio interference, but. The original cut for almost every movie is better. Look at Scream 4. The ending to that, to the original ending of Scream 4, was better than what the fuck we got. And I didn't like Scream 4. I do like Scream 4, but I would have liked it a lot more with the the ending that we were supposed to get. 100%. So, all that to say, um, if we can find a, a way to watch the original version, or at least watch all the deleted scenes and cut them back in, I think it's a much better movie. Because it feels like there's a really good movie in here, like, potentially. Like, they have good actors. They have a good story, but they don't execute. Like I said, that that's a very lame ending. And, yeah. So, anyways. Categories. Uh, okay. So, okay. Are you ready? Um, yep. Best uh, performance. We'll probably both agree that for me it's Gavin, Nick Stahl. Um, I think he really does give Gavin a lot of specific like ticks at the book in the first half. The way Gavin talks, it's like a really defined personality. I would say, like he does seem like a drug user for sure. <laughs> he does seem like a crackhead a little bit, <laughs> but he has a very specific sense of humor that shows in every scene with the stuff he says. And um, you also buy his paranoia too. He really sells the paranoia, and the um, and basically he's our he's our audience view of like what's going on essentially, and um, happens all the time, especially in horror movies where you have to like do something where you have to do the uh, have a different different second half of the movie because you have to kill somebody off or in a way basically he does get killed off halfway through, like his 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 personality gets killed off, which is basically him getting killed off so um and then the second half suffers so all right well uh since you already mentioned our best performance worst performance i want to say uv but <laughs> but why i just he, I, thought, I thought he, he had a f- i thought he slanted more towards like just annoying and there's no purpose to you versus like anything standing out honestly um, i'm just i'm giving it 
to the doctor because he's so generic bad guy. Didn't give a shit about his daughter. Probably didn't give a shit about his wife. And his didn't even bother wanting to perfect his own creation. That makes for a terrible villain in a movie. If maybe he was constantly doing something to make the implant better each and every time, then maybe he would be a better villain. But in this case, he's just like, nope, it's perfect. But people are killing each other. Nope, it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, the actor... Fuck you. The actor did okay, but again, they wrote a very generic bad guy, and he fills that role, so... Um, but nothing wrong Not with to that mention that, that character... I don't believe that character would have fought Steve. I feel like that character would have shot Steve because he still had a gun somewhere. True. Performance-wise, the movie was good when it comes to performance. All the actors did their job. But the, but the way we talk about it, we're better off doing best character and worst character... Because in that, in that, you can still, like, give credit to the performance. But if we do best performance, then we we focus on the character and ignore the performance completely. But So we'll, we'll, we'll shift, that, shift that story next episode. Um, Sounds good. Uh, best scene. I... That, that, this is a hard one. There, no scene really stands out to me. I liked... Um... <clears throat> I know this is like a, just a dumb scene, really, because it has no real purpose, but I like the scene of just Gavin explaining the entire thing in the cafeteria, all the different groups and their drug of choice. Um, that felt like in another world, this could have been some offbeat like teen comedy or teen drama. Um, or it could have turned into a turf war. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that or that, I was going to like the scene where... Um, even though he's done for pulling out the gun, I like that scene where, where him and uh, Steve are talking about the whole thing. And uh, Steve leaves him high and dry. Uh, but you're right. It's not really an action movie. There's really not nothing that stands out in terms of, like, scenes, I would say. Not, even if it wasn't an action movie. I mean, there's nothing. Most, even dramas have scenes that stand out. Comedies have scenes that stand out. This one, uh, to be honest with you, the best scene I can think of would be the scene on the beach between Gavin and Steve, but as you brought up, Steve's not really all that likable because he's not, even though he wants to be a friend, but at the same time, he's still being, with some of the evidence coming up, he's still being very dismissive. Yeah, I know, and he's more likable in the second half of the movie, but the problem is, in the second half of the movie, he has no choice. He's just forced in the situation. So and Gavin's not there, so... Yeah, so but the first half of the movie, he's just, like, a little bit too dismissive of everything for me to believe it. They're all too dismissive, honestly. Even even UV is a little bit dismissive of Gavin. And UV doesn't, Here's seem, a to, question. UV doesn't seem to care that much when his best friend is gone, so... What the hell? Well, that's because he's high all the time. <laughs> um, Suppressing his But here's a question. Yeah. Here's a big question for you. Didn't you... For some reason, I feel like they got Eggy from the Kingsman movies. I feel like they got his look from the way Gavin looked at the very end of this because they looked almost identical. Mm. Have you seen the Kingsman movies? No. <laughs> well, the... <laughs> no, I have no idea at all. <laughs> Worst scene is the fight scene at the cliff. I was going to say the car driving off the cliff with all the teens... Like it looked I'm like, fine with that. It, it looked like they were CGI'd onto the the truck. They were. 
Oh my! They God. they were. No, I was I was still fine with that because that got rid of the majority of the the issue of the town. But what I don't like is again a doctor going at him hand to hand when he had a gun. I know our main character has to survive, even though he's going to be homeless and get a disease and die there. But fuck you. <laughs> Don't give me a fight scene when the character is not a fighter yeah. unless he has no choice. And he had a choice. He could have left. Yeah, that's true. Hell, Steve was leaving. He wasn't about to continue the fight. <laughs> that ending should have been the doctor on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's going to another town. He's thinking like, hey, I can start over. Like, but there you go. You got you got our change of conditions. Yeah, there we go. I mean, come on. Well, no, the biggest the biggest change for me is basically just literally have Gavin the main character. No, but it, just go back to the original ending. Like, just have Gavin more involved in the ending. Like, having him basically absent from the second half of the movie was just a, a really bad decision. I don't think they they understood that he's almost like our viewpoint character in the first <clears> half. Because the movie starts with him, basically. And then and, could have been the main villain when he got implanted. Yeah, and said he just basically cut him out the movie. And then we get this, like, really nothing teacher scene, which, again, makes no sense. Why would he be... First of all, how does he have the resources to continue the operation? Like, I don't understand who gave him license to, like, continue on. So <laughs> It's the implant. Working I swear, well. I think... Working well, apparently. I think maybe the... Doctor, it could have just been, you know, behind the scenes or it could have been a deleted scene. But for all we know, the doctor probably could have been actually perfecting the implant because I've I feel like Gavin was acting differently compared to the rest. When you go through the background stuff, even though he wasn't actually there, like, why wasn't he at the climax? Why didn't he fall off with everyone else? Well, it just it, that part just makes no sense to me. Like, yeah, like. Even the doctor's there. So the doctor's there. All the kids are there. It's like, what in the world? Like, and wouldn't they notice he's not there? And they all be like, hey, where's Gavin at? Like, and the the characters, Steve and all them, they don't even mention it. Wouldn't they be like, <laughs> hey, I saw all the kids here, but what happened to Gavin? Like, none of it. Like, he's so absent from the end. It doesn't make any sense at all. <clears throat> it's like. From the first half of the movie to the second half, that makes no sense that nobody would like ask about him or think about him or anything. It just makes no sense. Yeah, well, final thoughts, sir. You know, I'm conflicted because even you as, chose the movie. No, I, I, I actually think it's the. I think the movie is still entertaining, and I like the movie. The problem is, it could have been so much better, and it seems like a lot of the original cut like fixes the problems that I have with the movie. So it's almost like I have to give this a bad review and then find a version with the deleted scenes entered in and then kind of re-evaluate it based on with the the stuff in there. So um, so I'm conflicted because I feel like there's a good movie here. And if it's a bad movie, it seems like a bad movie because the studios. The studio, unlike like Hard Target, they did a lot with that, but what they, what they left was still a pretty good movie. With this one, they stripped down a lot of it. Um, so... Overall, though, I would say the, the plot is very interesting. I love the idea of the story. Um, I wish the execution was better. And also, I do like all... I like the characters for the most part. James Marsden aside, he's kind of a good guy. I do like Rachel. I like Gavin. I like 
I think the Blue Ribbon's characters are good for what they do for the most part. Doctor aside, who's just blah. Um, and Catherine Isabel is always good in everything I've seen her in. So, um, uh, you know, shame she wasn't in much of this movie. Yeah, she was younger though. Like this is like before pre Ginger Snaps, I believe. Yeah, um, it is, and definitely way before Freddie Burr Jason. Um, so man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two stars. I still think it's like watchable for sure, and I have a pretty nostalgic, I think, view on it because I watched it back when I was like a teen. So I'm gonna give it two stars, but. I feel honestly like this could have been three stars if they fixed certain things and maybe the original cut is like three stars, but, but how it's presented two stars. One thing that annoyed me, I almost want to take off another half a star because the score is so annoying. Did you hear the score where it has like, it's like, don't know. And there's a dung dung. Yeah. Oh my uh, God. The, the uh, law and order theme. What the hell? Who thought that was good? <laughs> the most, I mean, the, there's a, the movie has a good soundtrack. There's good songs in the movie. But the score is like mind-numbingly annoying, I would say. So I'm almost gonna take off half a star for that, but I'm still keep it two stars. But that score is enough to drive the man insane. So, but I'm gonna stick with my two stars. Uh, well, I guess it's my turn. And well, that or Jeremy. I, <laughs> okay, let me go ahead and get the voice. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. No, uh, there's no reason for Jeremy to appear here. So, not yet. Anyway, um, anyway, so I just gotta say the movie is fun for what we get. The the whole ending gives you a bunch of plot holes, though. It gives you a bunch of stuff that is not needed and gives you and really doesn't give us an answer to our mystery. Like, how did the doctor think that the think up an idea to make this implant? What kind of I know they said he was like a neuro as a brain doctor, pretty much. What gave him the idea to finally decide to make this implant? How did he? come across the technology to make this kind of implant there there's plot holes and then there's mysteries not answered there's uh the first half of it I like the characters especially gavin gavin was fun was a fun character uv even though vic didn't like him was a decent decently fun character for yeah. the small scenes he was in rachel you know i'm, I'm sorry rachel was kind of a generic beautiful girl and Steve, generic good guy. Doctor became a generic bad guy. True. And overall, ah, uh, fuck. What did I? Do you remember what I gave the faculty? I think that was two and a half. I think you might have went. I think we both might have went three on faculty. Honestly. Uh, either way, this definitely is not getting anywhere near faculty. It feel. I don't know which one came out first, but this feels like a faculty ripoff with less alien, more sci-fi, and sci-fi that doesn't even work at the end of the th- at the end of the day. They're the both, CGI at the very end was bad. They're both, they're both 98. I just don't know which one was previous. first. Yeah, but the the CGI was bad. That could be equated to the fact that CGI wasn't still that good back then. Uh, ooh, I, I actually, there's actually a few, a lot of negatives I have on this one. <laughs> Overall, I'm actually going to give it the same as Vic. I'm giving it a two. It's still a fun watch, but I feel like this is the one of those movies where I would agree that it needs to be longer. So there's movies that don't need to be long. This one does. This one should probably be a good 30 minutes. Well, basically the more, the more generic, the plot line and the, the less you need, you can go with a small runtime. If you have like a slasher, which is the guy with a knife, then yeah, you probably need like an hour and a half, but 
if you're talking about like a an, like an occult and like a, a doctor or a sci-fi doing, doing experimentations like that, it's almost never going to work out well. Like with an hour twenty five minute runtime <laughs> for that kind of story. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, everyone, as you know, you don't have to go home. You got to get out of here. Give me some chicken nuggets, please. Or wings. I haven't had a good Hooters wings in a while. Go to Hooters. Get me some wings. Bring them to Wyoming for me. Thank you very much. All right. Well, look, Nick is asking way too much of our audience, all right? He wants you to get the wings, not enjoy them for yourself, but bring him wings in Wyoming. Sir, you, you, you can get Uber Eats on your phone and get them wings, all right? The only thing that uber eats does here is mcdonald's pizza hut and burger king oh that's sad that's very sad yeah and that's that's bad because there's actually some good restaurants here too i wish shogun's pizzeria actually sends me something but they don't deliver well listen this is i'm sorry that's the ramifications of you deciding to spread your blue ribbon mountain dew craze over the world so that's what you purple do sir that's what you purple do. That's what you give a spread in the purple do. I'm going to be more fan friendly and safe for the audience. Get those wings, but eat them for yourself. And don't think about Nick. He can get his own food. No, no, no. You must love me. I can and will turn my voice into God mode if you don't love me. Just creepy enough to be edited out. Thank you so much. So. <laughs> <laughs>